Welcome to Blind Shovel, an arts and music podcast. Today I had the pleasure of interviewing my dear friend, Neve Bavarsky. He's an incredibly accomplished illustrator, as well as a great musician. We've collaborated for many, many years now, and he's a sweet man. You'll see what I mean. Yeah, this is not in the podcast. Are we? Yeah, what is this the podcast? Oh, maybe it just started, but it definitely didn't start before. Okay, how about it starts? I I think the Michael Levo show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Levo show. Is that that the music you're envisioning? Michael Levo show. God, that'd be embarrassing. Does your podcast have a name? No, not yet. And I'm definitely opposed to. You know, I have this thing about galleries that are just named after the person. I really hate that. Calling people out? I mean, I told Jonathan Levine I feel that way. It's like almost every gallery. Yeah, yeah. It's, I just don't... I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, what did you do today in terms of work? I, I assume you worked for YouTube? I did work for YouTube. Just uh, technically, I worked for Advanced Systems Group. Wow. That's uh, fucking yeah. ridiculous. I just had meetings, um, did some drawing. Um, yeah. So how long have you worked at YouTube at this point? For a little over a year. Really? A year and a few weeks. Yeah. year I happened quickly. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And how's yeah, that going? Went by, went by fast. Uh, it's going pretty good, you know. Um, I saw your billion dollar drawing or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Thanks. Do you feel great satisfaction when you see that? What is that feeling like? Honestly, it's fun to see those go up. Um, they're probably like the most eyeballs that get on oh, yeah. work at any time, which is kind of a funny thing to think about. I think that has, I mean, that's, are we talking? I mean, yeah. millions of people see it. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, are we talking billions? But I don't know how many people use YouTube every day. Uh, I would guess millions. Oh, is it not? Are those images not seen across the world? Is YouTube different in each country? Uh, YouTube is a little different in each country. And um, and those particular things, like they go to certain markets, but not everyone. It depends on the specific thing. Gotcha. Yeah. That one is probably all over the place. That one was probably in, yeah, most of the world. And how'd you end up working there? It was pretty random. Um, I think I, I applied for another job uh, at Gizmodo, just kind of like I saw a listing and I was like, you know, freelancing is becoming less and less uh, stable. So I saw like a job opening and applied for it and then actually didn't hear anything and didn't think too much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like a year later, not a year, maybe like six months later or something, just like a month after my dad died. I uh, got an email from a recruiter asking if I'd be open for a job. And at the time, uh, a job seemed like a good idea. <laughs> so, right. It was necessary. Yeah, it was necessary. Just like, you know, life circumstances had changed. 
and needed to help out the family, wanted something that would be stable. And it's like my first time doing that, first time having like a normal adult job. Is that your first time in general? I mean, kind of. Like first full-time salary job. Yeah, yeah, first I've been, you know, freelancing for over 10 years. Wow, how strange. Yeah. That it had it basically had to happen in some I mean, sense. I mean, yeah, the the way it happened it almost really felt like some sort of sign. I'm, I you know, I, I don't uh-huh. know how to think about this, but you know, I felt like dad died and then like the family really needed help and then help came. Right, because you had applied beforehand. Before he had died? Well, no, I applied to just some other random job. Oh, weird. Yeah, I applied I applied to a different thing, and then, like, my info got passed along somehow. Um, and so, I just, you know, some, the, the person who was hiring for the YouTube the ASG job mm-hmm. knew the person who was hiring for the Gizmodo job, so... So you've been forced into a type of maturity by these events. Yeah. Yeah. My life changed a lot really fast. Um, And I mean, yeah, you said it. I was kind of forced into circumstance that made me do make more adult decisions, I guess. Yeah. and, And integrated into the art making as well. Yeah, that's something I'm definitely interested. In, like as you could hear in that Jesse Fillingham podcast, mm-hmm. maybe the realities of art, the, the pragmatic directions they end up going, not out of some aesthetic or conceptual concern, but out of life itself. Sure. You know, I don't know what you imagined when you were a kid. We can get into that. I think it's always interesting. It sounds like both of us drew when we were young. Although I know you had a musical inclination. You know what? Let's talk about that because Dory's important. I hope to interview him one day. You should. But, but I like the way that it sounds like in some ways you economically decided Dory's so good at music. I love music, <laughs> but uh, maybe I should focus on this visual output. I I mean, it wasn't such a... It was it was more of like an egoic decision as a child. Right, right, right. Um, I, you know, and I, I played music as a teenager and I, I still make music and I love it, but he was so good, you know, for people who are listening, uh, you know, my older brother is a highly accomplished jazz classical musician who plays all sorts of things and, uh, he's highly technically competent. And, you know, I think seeing that when I was a kid, like I, I didn't want to compete I didn't want to have to like take piano lessons to try to achieve what he achieved. Um, and also, you know, I was drawing and I loved it. So I think I, I did make a kind of decision about where to put my energy based on that. Like, okay, this is where I can shine. How much older is he? Than He's you? six years older. Oh, wow. I didn't realize. Yeah. So he was far more competent than you in general. Well, something sure. I I mean, can, yeah, something by, I could relate to. By the time I was a little kid, you know, he was like ripping on piano. Right, uh, right, right, right. Yeah. But he wasn't yeah. drawing? No, nah, I mean, I, actually, he 
when he was a child, he was a very good draftsman. Uh, I look at his childhood drawings and I'm really impressed. Uh, there's this one funny incident where uh, he had done some kind of ballpoint pen drawing of a golfer and I vandalized it. Nice. Like I took it and like scratched it out. I was like, this is my thing. So it served many functions or. Yeah. You could, I mean, you could vandalize with it. I could vandalize. With you know, it. I never, I never thought of it like that, but it sounds like really literally it was your, it was a territorial decision. Uh, for me having four older brothers, I don't, none of them had that territory locked down. Mm. So maybe that, Maybe that's where it came from as well, a way to be yeah. distinct. I mean, I do think for people who start making art when they're really young, it, it is, I mean, you know, with, with the exception of people who are maybe forced into it, um, I think it is a kind of like claiming of territory, something to like find respect with. Yeah, and that thus it gets a little confusing when you think you found respect or you, did, you do find respect in a certain scene. Uh, or you, your maybe your self esteem is validated in different areas. It's mm-hmm. it's certainly over the course of my life, uh, had it's forced me to reconsider what, why I was doing it. Um, sure. So from the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, when you were really young, what did you think art was, and what did you think you were going to be doing? Well, I developed this obsession with drawing at a pretty young age. Um, and I don't, I didn't really think about career. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, I wasn't so practical and frankly, neither was my family. They didn't like raise me with the the thought that you have to like find a thing to make money. I don't know. Um, they encouraged our interests and our passions and, you know, Luckily, I was able to make some living with it, um, but I just had this fixation on drawing, and I was a pretty indoor kid. Uh, uh, I'm not like fully an introvert, but I do really like being alone and just doing my thing and being in my brain, and I always have. So uh, I just, yeah, I was always just nose in a sketchbook, and... I, it wasn't until I was in college that I had any real notion of what a career was. Um, I knew that my drawing approach was like cartoony. And so like, I, I didn't think I'd be a painter. Um, but I also didn't know anything about illustration as a career path until, you know, I went to college and met illustrators, saw what that was. And you've pretty much lived that out. Over that decade. Yeah, I mean, I would say that the college I went to, Maryland Institute College of Art, was at the time very focused on editorial illustration. That was like, I think that was the path that was presented to us um, as a career. And it kind of suited me. I liked it. And so for years, I was pursuing editorial illustration until sort of other avenues opened themselves up. And now I do less of that. Right. What do you do? What is your technical uh, title at YouTube? My technical title is illustrator. Oh, so you're still doing it. <laughs> yeah, I am still technically an illustrator. You think you'll die an illustrator? 
<laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think you'll just keep, yeah, no, no, if you look 10 years ahead, you know, professionally, I know, again, your circumstances have changed. You've been mm-hmm. forced to be more financially responsible, mm-hmm. but do you have any vision of that? Well, you know, in about 20 years, the water wars will start, Michael, and I'll have to become a paladin. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how you see yourself? No. <laughs> a paladin? <laughs> joking. Um, I do not anticipate stopping making art as long as I'm capable of doing it. And mm-hmm. Could you ever see doing music for a full-time job? I'd be interested. Uh, I, you know, in the past few years, I started doing some professional music composition things and had good experiences with it. My brother and I worked together on a score for episode of Adventure Time pretty recently. And Mm -hmm. that was cool to have a composition credit. I enjoyed it. Um, But I will say that, like, my music, I've never treated as like a career path. And, you know, I have a lot of friends who do do music for a living and I don't want that life in particular. You don't Um, envy them. No. Well, at least like the touring musician, that's not something that I want to be a composer would be interesting, but I really think that, uh, like, I feel like if I got any gig, I just passed along to Dory. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Your better half musically. He is, yeah. He's. When's the first time you worked together in a serious manner? Just that. Really? Yeah. I don't know if we work together well exactly. <laughs> um, huh. I, I never like... thought I never thought to ask that. I just assumed it went well because it existed, which is naive. No, I mean the thing is that Dory is so clear on what he wants to do musically, like and he can do whatever he thinks. Oh, that's a bit shocking to me, considering his lack of clarity. Uh, I just feel like <laughs> clarity is not his uh, M.O. in terms of, from what I've understood, in terms of other things. Maybe not his humor or personality, but like musically, I feel like he can have a thought and do it. Whereas hmm. I'm not like so technically skilled with music. I'm like a tinkerer, and I make like, you know, experimental electronic composition and so i just kind of like play around until i find things that i like yeah Um, it's funny is that the ultimate goal i mean i don't for me different strokes for different strokes yeah yeah but it it makes me wonder if you if you become so technically proficient do you become just a translator of a mental image to the the end result i prefer uh, some process talk back but i do i do think it uh, I think you and I are similar in this regard, artistically, visually, that we kind of like find the thing we're doing as we're doing it. Yeah. But there's other artists who just like, they, they are so technically adept at translating the thing, the idea. It's like almost fully formed in their mind. Yeah. You know? it's, it sounds boring to make for me. Um, I have no idea. It's so probably some, really sometimes gratifying. I look, sometimes I look at it and I'm just like, man, that must be fun to just have that ability. Who's coming to mind when you when you think like that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, we don't need to name. I mean, my brother. Like when I see him play piano, I just 
I wish I could, you know, you know, I was actually, it's, it's pretty interesting. The past year they've been, um, my brother started playing classical music with a few people mm-hmm. and they sight read the music. So okay. they, they're playing the music for the first time. Hmm. They're hearing the music that they're playing for the first time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. they have never heard this piece of music and they can just play it. Huh. And like, it's, it's almost hard to comprehend. Yeah. That's, that's very foreign to me. Right. It's like yeah. such a different way of thinking, but it is like, you know, for them, it's like reading a language, you know, and they can just, it comes out. Yeah. It's interesting to me how there's no, I mean, I think we've talked about it quite a bit, the differences and similarities between making music and art yeah, and, and that kind of language or mathematics at least in how we make art, doesn't seem terribly present. I mean, there's symbols that we repeat often in rhythmic ways. Yeah, I, f- I feel like you and I both have this sort of like alchemical approach. Yeah. You know, where we're trying to like spin something into something. Um, and we have these like personal symbols and mythologies and it's... uh it's almost like a summoning of some sort. Yeah. I wish it was a little more. I wish I knew what I was summoning a bit more. Also, it would be cool if it was more like a literal summoning and there were like sparks flying everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. (laughs) I think if we were in like a more unified culture of symbols, it might be more like that, you know? Yeah. Like I feel, I think we're building personal (laughs) mythologies while like disrespectfully remixing previous symbols. It gets a little confusing to me as to what my aim is. Um, the more I gain respect for those symbols, mm. if that makes sense. It's like almost like, yeah, it does. Yeah. The more I respect their potency, I question why I'm even fucking with them. They're calling. Even if they're calling from like, Pinterest or whatever, you know? Right. Even if they're calling just aesthetically, which is a concern sometimes for me. Yeah. It's just cool. And I want to make it cooler. (laughs) It's like the lamest reason to make something. It's basically fashion, You know, but I'm I'm trying to get away from that. I, I just watched a documentary about Ed Hardy, the tattoo artist. Yeah. Um, and you know, I didn't know much about him. Uh, except for his clothing brand, which I, you know, always associated with like douche culture or whatever, but it turns out that he's actually kind of a cool guy. Um, and a thoughtful artist. And I think, you know, tattoo artists are like, so like, you know, they're almost like folk artists. Like they share the symbols. Yeah. They're like traditionalists. Yeah. They're traditionalists. And, and he has like a comment at the end of the documentary where he says like, uh, something like, you know, basically he just, he doesn't even believe in originality. Like no one invented anything and we're all just participating in a, in a culture. Yeah. I hate that view. Um, yeah. I do because it's a half truth that sounds true. You know, the reason I think that is there's clearly an aspect of being and becoming to all things so like, obviously we're not just in a circle that's going around at, at the very least we're in a spiral. So 
there's some vertic- <laughs> vertical aspect that's changing or, or, you know, like that's, that's fair. things are changing, <laughs> They're definitely changing. Things and, are changing, but I would say that like the individuals are, we're all just caught up in that spiral to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I mean, I think that's a, that's humility acknowledging yeah. that, but I also think that, uh, I lost it. It's gone. Pardon me. Spiral. You, you took it away. No, no. I, you know what I was going to say? It's like, it's so obviously true when you meet someone who is an original person that it exists. You know, I remember having an argument in your kitchen about Bob Dylan and authentic <laughs> personas, authentic <laughs> identities. And it's like, so, yeah, with, uh, God, Marmalade Mountain or whatever the fuck. Zach Fishman. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've like argued with him about Bob so, Dylan too. <laughs> so obviously viscerally true that there are authentic people. And, and I feel the same way about original people and I don't want to diminish that and just, and just say they're better at remixing, but even they don't come out of nowhere. No, 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 they're still like, no, but it's, yeah, it's, they might have some fresh take on a tradition, but they're still absolutely. Yeah. It's like saying you don't have free will because you didn't choose to be born or weren't, you know, you didn't arrange what the human body is, but obviously I think they're compatible that, you can be remixing things and then suddenly, cause clearly when you're young, you do remix things. I will admit that. Like, I think it's pretty clear who people's influences are when they're young and mm-hmm. then they somehow transcend it. Not necessarily because there's, I mean, you could argue it's just so many ingredients went in there that now you can't tell, but I would say that those get poured into a vessel that is unique to the individual. So it's both things. You know, but yes, yeah, talking about summoning Ed Hardy is funny because it's like he's as you as you so harshly put it, he he summoned douche culture, um, and I think that's kind of interesting as to those unforeseen consequences to your aesthetic. Well, yeah, I mean, you really can't control your audience. Yeah. Um. Though, I, you know, in his defense, uh, I, I really, I think he just like licensed some of his designs for a clothing company and it just happened to take off and he enjoys the uh, financial rewards of it. But I don't know to what degree he was involved or concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I just find that interesting. Those, those peripheral just, things that you can't control. Right. And then you, you either Freddie Mercury or Kurt Cobain. And like the only mature response is Freddie Mercury. Can you, you explain what you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> you either resent the people who like your work because they're, I don't know what Cobain's justification is. They're lame consumers or uh-huh. you love them dearly and uh-huh. you, you kind of have a healthy relationship with those people who feed you. That sounds preferable. It sounds like something you can control. I mean, I think we both feel at times with the scene, whatever that may be, but you know, like, uh, I don't know if there's an illustration scene, but the comic scene we've talked about before where you you probably aren't going to feel like you fit in. I mean, I don't trust the people who do, but maybe I'm just immature on that, you know? Well, we all have our cliques, don't we? You and I have our clique. Yeah. Yeah. Small. Yeah. We keep it tight. Remote. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. a shame. It's a, re- it's remote. Yeah. Life be that way. 
Yeah. So talk about the shrimp house, talking about remote, because you used to be part of a very tight group. Yeah. I mean, physically break it down. Sure. I mean, starting in my late twenties, I moved into a house with a bunch of friends, uh, mostly musicians. And we had a kind of like art fraternity family house for six years. And it was a beautiful time. And even as I was living through it, I knew it was the good old days. Mm -hmm. And uh, when my father died, I moved out. And that was the end of that chapter. But it was a really lovely chapter. You know, we lived in this uh, nice but also a little wonky house in Silver Lake on a hill. We had a music studio in the garage. We played lots of telephone Pictionary. People just came through. Um, had a great time. And uh, now it's sort of changed hands. Uh, only the only Ian still lives there. Uh, he's a musician um, who is a close friend of mine. And he's become like the elder statesman of the house. But he's also always on tour. Um, and now there's all these like new versions. There's, Yeah. Like there's you know, another I mean, long-haired guy who draws living there. Right, right. There's just it's funny, yeah. Just B movie versions of each person <laughs> being replaced. Yeah, but it, it is funny to think. <laughs> I was thinking about this during the wedding. We had mm-hmm. just Neve and I just went to a wedding. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about, and this sounds like this is true of the shrimp house that that type of thing will never happen again. That there's a certain, especially in our 30s, there's just no going back. There will be no shrimp house again. No. For you, it was demarcated by your father's I, death. Um, yeah. But would you... The thing is, like, you don't want to go back to the shrimp house, do you? Well, no. I mean, look, I mean, when, when my father died, it changed my priorities so quickly. I was like okay, fun time is over, you know? You absorbed his spirit in a way. I mean, in a sense, but I just like, it was time to take care of things, to take care of family. Um, Yeah, I guess I find that it's like, I'm not even speaking spiritually here, but I do find that amazingly literal that, you know, suddenly you have to help with the, the money situation where he was doing it. Or it suddenly it just shapes you into a man by his absence and well he he was a he was quite the man so we have a lot of a lot of duties to fill uh between my brother and i um yes and uh it's hard hard to fill those shoes but yeah i mean it, it changed my priorities really overnight and uh no i, I wouldn't want to go back it would feel totally inappropriate um, <laughs> right, right and it like it did pretty quickly you know like uh i i did have to go back to move my things out and all that stuff and it was just like okay this is over right it was a beautiful time and it's over yeah yeah but that kind of incubation i hope to provide spaces like that later in my life because maybe you do maybe you do well with that isolation you were saying or solitary creation but obviously to a degree i mean yeah to a degree i mean you yeah. you live in a house now with dory and it's like yeah i'm sure you're pl- bouncing it off each other 
consistently. But I don't think this, you know, that kind of thing has to end per se, but I definitely think shrimp house is dead. And I definitely think the thing we experienced in Tuscany is dead. And in it's kind of, you know, I kept thinking of that green day song that I heard at my eighth grade graduation. Mm-hmm. I don't know the name of it, but, uh, I walk a lonely road. And then, uh, something unpredictable. Maybe it's, called, you know, this is eighth grade. Yeah. This is way back. Yeah. But I've been trying to think of how to carry that spirit without having it hamper me. Yeah. Um, Let me know if you figure it out. I think the only way to do it is to give it back, you know, like I'm going to try it with the art center, you know, to, to provide those events, those experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also to somehow maintain my own practice in a real way. Sometimes I wonder. Yeah. I mean, maybe we're being a little fatalistic and, you know, we'll still have these things. Um, you know, I'm thinking that like, even now, like, you know, with Dory living here, I have musicians coming through all the time and my friends come and visit and I go visit them. And it's, you know, it's not like it's. No. Yeah. 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 I mean, life, life goes on. You know? Certainly. I just think, uh, like you said, it's a priority shift. And yeah, yeah. That's what interests me is, is, is the point in some ways to be undisturbed by those priority shifts. I look at certain artists and I'm amazed by how consistent their output is. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because they anchor to one project for their whole life mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe that's the purpose of anchoring to something like berserk. Mm where it's just like no matter what those priority shifts or or life events you can't predict come in you can always filter it through this one book. Mm. I envy that that focus, yeah. Yeah. What's yeah, like the longest miss, what's the longest what's the most sustained thing you've made? I mean, it's got to be old growth. Right. And yeah. it's because illustration and the way we're taught and this is not a knock. It's actually, it's a great skill that a lot of people don't have. It's like, you're kind of programmed to turn around the thing in one day. And so you don't have like long distance running muscles. You just have sprinter muscles. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm used to short deadlines and working in different styles and changing it up for what the project needs. And um, right, right. It's, it's, you know, couple that with the speed of social media and the gratification of it. And I think you get a very difficult obstacle to a long sustained project, which I've been trying to figure that out, like hmm. how to do both. I mean, I just don't have any interest in social media right now, but I think mm-hmm. there's obviously a great function to it in terms of visibility. But sure. besides old growth, which we could talk about later, yeah, what do you think the most sustained project you've done is? I mean, I don't know how satisfying an answer this will be, but it might just be my relationship to my sketchbooks. Yes. Like, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I have these journals that I've been producing my whole life, basically, since I was like nine or ten, at least. And... uh 
they're like the th- through thread of my of my life in some way. Has the digital process taken away from those at all? Well, you know, there's periods of time when when I'm focused on you know quote work work that mm-hmm. slows those down. Um, and when I notice that that's slowing down, I'm, I make an effort to get back into it because it is kind of like, it's like a pure type of thing that I set aside for myself. It's just like, it's, it's practice. It's some sort of like meditation, you know? Yeah. And Um, it's, and it's important to you that it happens physically. Yeah. They're also like time machines, you know, like I look through them yeah um, every few months and like i a lot a lot of my life is stored in there and uh i'm thankful for that that i have that kind of log you write diary entries in there too occasionally but uh, some you know sometimes i'll like write like a, a big heavy one with the intention of making it a habit but it's not really it doesn't become one more like passing thoughts i'll write like little things that people say um, you know, if I'm sitting with a friend or a family member and drawing a picture of them, maybe I like write the things that they said. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some pretty funny ones. <laughs> I was looking at one of my dad and he, <laughs> he was talking about how, um, he was basically arguing that like symbolism doesn't exist and that like a, a dead fruit is just that nothing else there's no symbolism to be read in a piece of dead fruit wow that's like he chose the most <laughs> right there's so much you can get out of that <laughs> right i'll have to show you that, that it sounds like he's just playing there uh yes and no you know what would you call that i don't even that's just pure literalism huh it's just like yeah, yeah my, my dad was a funny guy <laughs> i don't even think a human can operate on that level like for sustained periods of time no no one really does it's not like he couldn't understand metaphor really he just i think he he was he was kind of trolling oh yes but yeah um but you know i'm thankful to have those logs because you know it's like i have like a little window into that conversation that moment um so it's it's great to have those sketchbooks and uh you know, I, I, the past week, actually, I've kind of like been really intentional about getting back into it. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's important. They're also, yeah, it's, like, yeah, yeah. it's like the place my ideas are kind of like born from. Like they're like, it's like an incubator. Yeah, it's it's undeniably good practice. Yeah. I, I don't do it, honestly. I haven't done it in a long time. Mm. I have like one or two that I'm like, oh, those are like very complete and and beautiful objects, mm-hmm. but I can't explain why. Yeah, I just, you know, I, 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 I used to try to make them these like art objects in and of themselves, especially when I was like in college, my early 20s. Mm-hmm. I would like paint in them and like make handbound books and try to make them something beautiful. But now they're really not that. Just buy a journal and draw real loose and... um just let them be a place for my brain to wander. Yeah. Your sketchbooks are much night. Like mine are embarrassing in a, in a way. <laughs> like I'm not even trying to draw 
well, I don't think. And the times where I wanted them yeah. to be cool, they're, they're cool looking, but I almost think I defeated the purpose, um, by trying to do that. Yeah. I, especially with a sketchbook, I, I do think that like over focus on getting it to be like a cool aesthetic thing. Like it does kind of get in the way of just your brain exploring. Yeah. 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 And like, and you should be willing and okay with the drawing being bad. It's, right. It's, okay. it's, it's why I don't. So I remember you used to draw at a bar and get free drinks, but yeah. I was, I'm <laughs> like, philo- I'm like philosophically opposed to that. Uh, You're opposed all. to getting free drinks or <laughs> drawing at a bar? Which part? I don't drawing in public where someone might see it, even if it's an attractive woman or something. I don't, you know, well, you Michael need, at the time, that was my only strategy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> was, what, what other hoping, strategy do you have? I was now? hoping some beautiful woman would see my drawings and be like, hello, stranger. <laughs> you have another strategy now? I, I, I mean, now I, still the only strategy. I mean, now I just have a long-term girlfriend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I feel like it still was the only strategy and it worked. I mean, you know, yeah, ultimately. It's funny to think, you know, I typically only think of drawing as, as an extension of my thinking especially when I'm sketching furniture or whatever. It's just like a visualizing what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Like but, a tool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I move. I think I've moved away from it as like my main identity as, as it, it's utility increased. I started to think I could use this for other stuff than drawing uh, obscure comic books. <laughs> and there's, you know, good and bad to that, but right. your utility is far more, multifaceted just from thinking about this alone you have a journaling uh, utility you have a career that earns you money based off it you also have a way to get free drinks and attention and (laughs) and uh, social bonding you draw people when you're around them sure so you put a lot of weight on its back and i suppose it makes it stronger yeah i mean for so long it was just like it was so it, it it was like foundational to my identity was drawing and is it not it, i mean that was tested this past year right know? um and did you draw year, your way out of it i've been drawing my way out of it and i'm i'm back but this year for the first time in my life i had a period where like i just did not want to Mm-hmm. And what and, got you? Did Judaism pull you through that? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the rituals of Judaism didn't pull you through that. I mean, honestly, I mean, the rituals of Judaism helped me out with grief, but mm-hmm. but um, the longer term grief, mm-hmm. the long game, uh, wasn't quite doing that. Um, and you know, drawing is like the spiritual practice of my life in a sense. Um, what makes it, thing I have to it, you know, what makes it spiritual? What makes it spiritual is that it's like, I'm giving my, when it's good, when I'm like actually like really present for it, I'm like giving myself over to something. To something. Yeah. Like I'm giving my energy and time and attention and patience to a creative pursuit. And when it's really good in a sense, I like disappear and just mm-hmm. become the thing 
Um, and like that feeling, that kind of flow state meditative thing is the thing I've been chasing my whole life. Um, and it makes me wonder if we owe more in terms of the end product, because it's a bit of a one-sided transaction, you know, I would agree with the general assessment Mm. and, you know, let's say if we're doing it for illustration or for money or something, yeah, I would much rather be putting it into some place of worship or, or church or something that I felt good about because then it would seem to be a, a more holistic feedback loop it's a little unsatisfying and disappointing. I don't know if that makes sense. That, that well, actually, we, I I love the personalness of it. Like, oh, yeah, expound upon that. Like, and that's why I love the notebook so much because, like, it's a process of just like really refining and getting to know myself. Mm. And like the worst moments are like the ones where I'm like envious of other artists and like trying to draw like them or wishing I had their ability instead of like trying to draw like myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this is, sounds ultimately selfish and I'm not saying that in a critical way, but like, I mean, it is. Yeah. And I don't think it has to be. That's what I'm trying to figure out is because again, I'm trying to figure out this maturity angle and mm-hmm. maturity is definitely marked by selfless action. And I agree. The, the, yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting. What what I mean by the church or the place of worship is, since we're getting it from this source that we are marking as spiritual, it seems mm. logical you would be building up a structure or a place that then could potentially provide it to others. And uh, well, I su- I suppose that can occur when people see art and they're inspired to make art. I um, think I think so. Um, but this isn't sufficient to me. This one of my well, friends. You're an, you're an ambitious me. guy, my friend. So, supposedly, mm. that's what they say. But but uh, one of my friends has convinced me that like you can't collapse all these practices into one thing. Like there's there's true worship, mm-hmm. uh, and there's art making. And they're not the same thing. <laughs> we don't have to get into that. It's kind of a complicated topic, but it, it kind sure. of it humbled me a bit. And I was like, okay, maybe I was being convenient here with this kind of collapsing of everything into one thing I like doing. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, it does. Um, you know, I guess ultimately I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about the larger religious aspect. Um, it's more like I, I have this gift. I want to use it. Um, What's the responsibility? That's what I'm getting at. I don't know. I don't know the answer, but if you well, have a gift, you have a responsibility. Yeah, I believe that. And I don't know. I think we all, should try to be the best versions of ourselves that we can. I, you know, creativity is a way I've found to develop that idea. Um, Certainly we should use it to, to our maximum potential. Yeah. I guess answering that is so difficult, especially in the context of something like design or illustration, which is client-based. 
Sure. I mean, it, I'll be totally blunt that it's not easy to access the spirit in that context. <laughs> <laughs> you have to access something else, and I don't know what you would call it, but it's... When you're doing that, you just have to access skill and efficiency, you know? Mm, and just like it's, it's more than that, right? It's like, it's like human. It's a type of communication. Sure. Like, being a good illustrator is very difficult and... You notice it when you, I don't know, when I've art directed people for certain jobs mm-hmm. and I've always like sh- kind of shit on art direction because it's, I don't know, usually failed illustrators do it. And maybe that's why I'm doing it. But, uh, you know, I've, I've gained some respect for it over the yeah, past yeah, year. It's, it's harder than it looks. Same. But it, because it's like parenting almost, but yeah. also a good illustrator is really good at communication and... Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something magical there that one hones over time. That's it's not talking to a muse, but it, yeah. it's talking to another person, which is far more of a pain in the ass. I would suggest. Yeah. So I do respect both illustration and art direction more. Yeah. Over time, I think most art directors are are trash, but probably most illustrators are too. You know. You know. Uh... It's a hard thing to do, so only a certain number of people are truly good at it. Yeah, maybe that's everything. Yeah. Not to, not to flatten it out, but like, I guess from the outside, it just looks like, oh, you know about people who make cool art, and you picked them to do it. Yeah. That's, that's at its laziest, what it, what it you seems know, like, like. Now, you know, I'm, now that I'm in my position working with YouTube and like have had to like, sometimes try to find artists to hire for projects mm-hmm. you realize that like a couple of years go by you're not in the loop anymore you have to you have to stay on top of it to know who's out there and who's the right fit oh we're not in the loop that's what i've been right. trying to say we're not cool <laughs> see we weren't cool ever we just we just for a brief <laughs> moment there convinced people we were i think <laughs> but yeah, it's funny to be. Are you supposed to be the guy who shows up to the punk show at fifty in skinny jeans, or are you supposed to be? Uh, you just don't show up anymore, and I'm leaning towards not showing up. You know, not, I love I love not showing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, do I? Do we need? I mean, for you, maybe occupationally, you need to be in the loop. But I'm either going to try to make my own loop, or yeah. or just stop. You know, it's it's a very funny thing of, of what what grace looks like in that context. Do you do you accept the limitations of age? You know, even your style starts to calcify, but that calcification allows you to access different things, maybe deeper content, or you can focus on narrative, as opposed to always trying to. It's almost like dating someone every three months. You know, oh, there's a new way I could draw, a new right. medium I can pick up and we justify it with this particular myth about artists and their liberated spirit but uh sure i don't know more and more i question it yeah i don't know i mean like i said you know i I do i consider art like some sort of path to like knowing yourself um illustration i don't know if it's that it might be like like you said it's a path to communicate Yeah, Um, yeah And I, you would hope that over time, as you age, you get to know yourself better and better. 
I mean, I fear that kind of calcification. Like, and, you know, we're talking about like the, something like Berserk where you like devote your whole life to a book. On one, I, I totally respect that, but I can, I could never do that. I, I just the idea of doing like the same drawings this, or like drawing the same way for my whole life. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's just, I, it would get so boring. Yeah, it might, it, there must be a personality component to it. Um, yeah. But, you know, getting to know yourself via the process, I, I have found that collaboration is probably a more rapid process for doing that. I don't know if you agree with that, but you... I certainly feel like I came to understand a lot more about myself through our collaborations. Yes, but also with Balmer. Like for me, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm thinking of it differently, but I understand Balmer less and less. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll get to that. No, I'm just no, no, I'll interview him. <laughs> yeah, but it just became clear to me, and that's why I still enjoy it. Is collaboration? Yeah, yeah, and that's why. I like, I like running a company with someone. I like working with people. Yeah, <laughs> because you. Only through that comparison can you see what you really, what you really are. So you, it's like so cliche, but you find yourself through others, and yeah, your strengths become apparent. What you can bring to it, your weaknesses and those limitations. It, it, it struck me that as I, I was blinded to that when I was drawing alone. Yeah, I mean it's a fine line. Sure, you can definitely lose yourself. You can definitely yeah. lose yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of a little, the people, you know, I, I know a lot of people who work in animation. Mm-hmm. They're very talented people. And then I like, after a couple of years, you don't see them making work for themselves anymore. Because they're, yeah, just, and I they're working like, so hard and they're tired. And yeah, I used, to, I used to be so critical of that. And yeah, I'm softer on it now too. It's It's hard. Well, you're probably softer because you realize that life circumstances might one put you in that position yeah i have have no two to say that actually but i think also i'm just wondering if if there's something beautiful about the sacrifice i had such an individualistic view of art making because it seems to be that the peak of that you know the peak of individualism is the artist i would i would say and was for a certain like for like a hundred year stretch it's still i think it still should be in some way yeah. Um, but I guess I'd have to hear how those people feel. You know, I still lament people's potential who get absorbed by that thing because right. they typically get absorbed by an unworthy system. Well, yeah, I was about to say it's a beautiful sacrifice if you're sacrificing it for something beautiful, like a Miyazaki film or something. Right. Yeah. But you, right. you can be proud of that. That's, and those people probably <laughs> have a lot of mixed feelings about that, but I'm sure. I don't think, first of all, I don't have the trust, but I don't think there's anything, at least like Balmer, he loved Adventure Time. And so surely Adventure Time was a worthy altar to sacrifice at, you know? Sure. Most people aren't in that position. You're working for YouTube. I have no idea what you think about YouTube. We don't need to get into it. But, you know, that's the reality of the thing. And yeah, it's not as romantic as it sounds when you're younger, I suppose. 
No. Um, look, I mean, like when you're a professional illustrator, like I think you just, to some degree, you take what you can get. Um, and you just hope that you can make a living um, and, and take the opportunities that come to you. Um, and uh, I don't quite know where I was going, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't think we've, to be fair, I don't think either of us, I mean, I did illustration for much shorter time period, but we didn't have to sacrifice too much uh, because we were being, at least I certainly was, was being poached from the comic scene. And the expectation was kind of like, you just draw cool shit and then you're going to do that for this article, you know? Yeah. I mean, so, so we weren't run through some kind of assembly line. No. And no, you, know, I, you, you I, got your hands or feet. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, that was working with a friend with working with Sarah Rothberg. Um, yeah, you know, those, I mean, those, well, I've, I've ahead, always been, I've always been happy that I've, for most of my career, I've been able to have a good balance between working for other people and working for myself. And I never like lost a personal practice. Yeah. Um, you know, it got, it's been challenged more these days, but you know, that's why I was trying to talk to Jesse. It's like that having kids yeah, on top of, you know, imagine your current circumstance, you have kids Mm-hmm. And then the probability of preserving that personal practice early on is seems tremendously difficult. Um, Could be. And it's just a very uh, interesting moment for artists, I think. Yeah. But in those 10 years of illustration, what do you, what stands out as the, like your hands or feet? Is that one of the highlights? I mean, no, not to be honest. Um, what am I most proud of? I mean, I really am proud of old growth. It's like the thing that made us the least money of any project, but I'm like, it's like my baby in a sense that I'm, Oh, your baby, our baby, Michael. <laughs> I think you said your, and then you take the Y off behind my back. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's not an illustration in the illustration career, no. but I think what I mean, that, what that encapsulates is part of that bonding uh, utility, which is probably why we got it done and probably why it's so hard to get a comic done on your own mm-hmm. is because you're forced into the complete opposite. Yeah. Uh, the I most mean, inhuman circumstance. We talked about it a lot as we were making it that like our shared responsibility to each other, like really pulled it through, pushed it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I you know, I, I've let myself down on, numerous occasions but i didn't want to let you down so i like you know was ready to work on it yeah i mean that's we've got to find ways to leverage that because that's the key i mean there's also the whole thing is like if you get stuck on a comic and you're doing it alone you're stuck if you have someone else working with you they're they're probably not going to be stuck at the same time and vice versa yeah but I'd love to be able to build accountability into the the personal projects, the kind of accountability you should have in school. If you got your shit together, right. uh, we lose that. And even like I was saying with the shrimp house, mm-hmm. when you see other people making, I'm sure Dory's always making, but that is very, very helpful. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, it helps to be around creative people. Uh, there's both like an inspiration and competition aspect to it that I think is healthy. Um, yeah, I feel like I, I need to be more competitive, which I love to be, but yeah, when you're not staring down the enemy's eyes physically, it's a little harder. Yeah. And you know, that was a beautiful thing about that time, uh, that we had in the Bay area when we were younger. Um, when we were drawing with Jesse, mm-hmm. like we would get together at least once a week and need to be able to draw. Yeah. And, you know, so that, that was a big motivator to, to push and draw in my free time as well. Um, yeah, we have to try to recreate that somehow. Yeah. I mean, that'd be great. Maybe put money in there somehow <laughs> to like force each other. I feel like that's a great way to force the issue. You have to have a. How are you going to get money in this? <laughs> I don't know. It's like you have to have a thirty-page comic done by this date, otherwise you owe me a hundred dollars. Of course, oh, it can't. It can't be scribbled. Dollars. <laughs> no, no, a hundred dollars will will do something to you. <laughs> I'm just playing around. Or you're too big for that now. I'm too big you for hundred dollars. You got YouTube. You got to put ten thousand dollars on it. How long are you going to work for YouTube? Um, I don't know. You know, uh, a year went by quickly, man. In a good way? In a good way. Look, That's I mean, cool. ha- having having a job in this time, it's like it, there's a sacrifice to it, and it's also a great stabilizing force. Um, That's why know. I'm just asking, like, what I maybe you don't think too far ahead. Yeah, I'm not a five year planner guy like you. I know. I'm, I'm a ten. I'm a ten year guy. Ooh, man! <laughs> I, I I get to the. I plan towards the weekend. Maybe you got that. Come on. I'm I'm really not a big planner. It's it's. Uh, it's I implore you. I implore you to plan. Yeah, imagine all the things you could do in ten years. I know. No, I, I mean, I really am sort of like a, like even just like my becoming an illustrator, artist, just like, it's all just like stuff that happened to me in a way. It's not oh, that it's, I'm not. It's fate? It's not fate. It's just <laughs> circumstance. And That sounds like so unromantic. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I don't buy it. it it's not that I'm not romantic and it's not that like that didn't involve work and some intention, but like I, I am, I've never been someone who sees 10 years into the future and thinks about how to get there. I'm always like, where am I? And how am I, how am I doing? Yeah. Well, we should work on that. Okay. I'll try it. Even, I mean, I guess old growth wasn't like we sat down and we're like, in three years, this will be like old this. Old growth is a perfect example, which just fucking happened. Like, we were, you know, hired for that album cover and we were like, what if we drew again? Like, we, right, you know, right, we, right. Missed, we missed drawing together, so we just did it. And all of a sudden we had a book. Yeah. You know, that's all fine and dandy, but <laughs> when applied to life, especially at this stage, it kind of doesn't work, I don't think. And, I'm not saying this is the most responsible way. 
I just feel as you go, the nets are being set, you know, by many, many forces. And uh, the only way around them is planning as boring and mundane as that sounds. How Especially, is that unromantic? Sounds no. very thrilling. And, I just wanted, I just wanted to throw it back at you. <laughs> I just think, especially to preserve, it just gets harder and harder to preserve the spirit that is required to make art, I think. I feel like you yeah. might you might have to get a little defensive. You know, uh, yeah, that I agree with. And, uh, you know, I've been experiencing, like I said, like for the first time, sort of like challenges to my creative desire and... Uh, I am and like intentional about it, um, how to protect it. Yeah. And yeah. I, so you're right. I'll, I'll get my 10 year plan going. Cause I do like, I want to be that old man who's still doing it. And those like the artists I admire, like the, the people who are just have like these lifelong obsessions and, um, still do it. Yes. I mean, if you have an obsession, I suppose it will be there. For me, it's um, like no matter what, because obsession to me implies a, a very deep compulsion. But I think, I don't know if I have an obsession, but I have something I want to protect. Mm. And potentially, we just have to hold each other accountable. Like shame is a great driving force and I'm losing it in, in this area. Mm. And I don't like that. Okay, send me your drawings. I'll shame you. Yeah. We can shame each other. Yeah, yeah. That's what I recommend to young illustrators, those shameless ones. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many of them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, no, having having a group of friends that you really trust their opinions is uh, invaluable. And you fear in some way. Yeah, like real respect. Like they're going to leave you in the dust. (laughs) I mean, I think you know, I, like meeting you was kind of like that. Like, you know, I, I had friends from art school, um, but they weren't quite like doing the same aesthetic thing as me. It was like a little different, mm-hmm. you know? So like w- when we met, it was like, okay, here's someone who kind of can see what I'm trying to do. Yeah. 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 No, it's uh, a very important historical moment. Yeah. <laughs> People don't realize it yet. Well, hopefully they will, Michael. Yeah. No, I like to think we might be written out of history. Not if we make another book, Old Growth <laughs> 2. The, the growth in oh, The growth in Yeah. <laughs> and that's all for that one. Music by Dory Bavarsky and Mingja Chen. Next week, we've got Dang Wayne Olson. 